Man, I could not be more excited about what we're going to cover, because I think what we're going to cover tonight may be the most practical talk I have ever given. And what I mean by that is, like, there's just some really good things that I wish, when I was your age, when I was 19, when I was 21, when I was 24, when I was 25, when I was 27, that I wish I would have known. Because what time has taught me is that, you know what, when I was young, I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Let me tell you, give me a quick story to get us going tonight. So when I was in my early 20s, when I was about 20 years old, maybe 19, 20, um, not 19, 20, 19 or 20, um, I worked at a summer camp, and I went to camp one summer, got to uh, work week, and was kind of, um, as every 19-year-old guy does at work week, I'm kind of scouting out the prospects um, on the other side of the camp and, and deciding which one is going to be Mrs. Roshkob one day. Because um, let's be honest, and this is a true story, that's the only reason I went to work at this camp. I saw the films, and I was like, there are a lot of hot Christian girls at that camp, sign me up. Um, true story, that's why I went. And God used it, and I did not meet my wife there, but anyway, th- you'll get this after my story, um, because you'll realize that I had no idea what I was doing. So we get there, and there's one particular girl, and I'm like, that one. I'm going to be dating her before the end of the summer. And all my friends at camp laughed at me, and they're like, whatever, Andy, she's way out of your league, which she was. But I took that as a personal challenge, right, gentlemen? Right? When your friends laugh and say, you can't, no, you can't go on a date with that girl, you're like, game on. So I was laying down serious game all summer long. I mean, I was doing everything, that, I mean, having my quiet time outside where she can see me read my Bible. I was the best counselor to these little kids because I knew she might be watching. Um, and so I did a really good job of being a counselor that summer, um, and my motivation was totally wrong. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, by the end of the summer, we were dating. And so I felt like I, you know, my man card was more than intact, and so I went back to college thinking, uh, you know, my status had moved up a couple notches. Well, she did not go to the same college. She went to a college in a different state. Um, And so this is going to age me just a tad bit, but in the late 90s, there was no texting. There was no, email was really not something, like we literally did phone cards and letters. And let me tell you, girls, this is just a great little piece of advice. If you ever get to the point where you're in a relationship where you're dating some guy, and you guys have a long-distance relationship, make sure that that letter, when he opens it, smells like you, okay? Because <laughs> this young lady knew what she was doing. She would spray her letter with perfume, and so every time I opened it, I was like, oh, yep, I remember her, you know, that kind of thing. And so, like, we, so we left camp, and we started this relationship um, long distance in college, and we made it through August, and we made it through September, and then in fall break, she came to Chicago to see me, and, you know, I was really like, oh, I got to show around campus and show all my friends, like, hey, I actually have a girlfriend that she's not, you know, uh, made up. And so we spent a couple days together uh, there on campus, and then she went back home, and then uh, October went through, and then November, and then November, I went home for um, Thanksgiving. And I lived about five hours away from where she lived. And I thought, heck, we, you know, we've been dating for several months now, like, this is, this is getting, you know, for me... <laughs> Uh, pretty serious. Never had a girlfriend that long before. Um, so I'm like, I probably, I should go visit her. I meet her family. You know, we, we need to start moving down this road. Um, and so I drive the five hours. I spend Thanksgiving day, Friday morning, I get in my car and boom, I'm on the road south. Uh, five hours later, I pull into the, the driveway of her home and, you know, she doesn't know I'm, when I'm coming because there's no cell phones. I know that's a really weird concept, but like I pulled up and she was surprised to see me. Her family was surprised to see me. They didn't know when I was coming. And so I, I get there, 
And immediately I realized something's different. And not in a good way. So I, I get in there, meet her family, and this is Friday. So Friday night, we immediately, you know, like they've got stuff going on. And she's got a little brother who's, I believe, in fourth grade at the time. Um, and so it's just the four of them. And we eat dinner, jump in the car, and go to her little brother's basketball game. I'm like, okay, great. Well, you know, I'm just one of the family. Let's just do this. And so we get to the game, and I'm sitting there next to her mother, and she's sitting here. And as soon as the ball is jumped and, the, you know, the, the game starts, she gets up and walks off and to talk to some people that she knew at the game. And I did not sit next to her for the rest of the entirety of the game. She did not come back and sit. So I sat there with her mother, who I just met, watching her fourth grade brother play something called basketball. And I'm like, okay, this is, okay, this is weird. So we go back home and, um, you know, we just kind of have family game night, just hang out, watch TV, you know, do that kind of stuff. And then we go to bed, get up Saturday morning, and we are right back into their family schedule. Um, ironically, he had another basketball game. And so we got up Saturday morning, had breakfast, dad makes pancakes, and all this, you know, the cool stuff, boyfriend's over, let's make a do, you know, do the big breakfast. We get in the car, go to his game, exact same thing happens. We sit down, she gets up and goes and works the crowd. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I've been here for almost 24 hours and we haven't talked yet. Uh, and so, <laughs> it doesn't get better. Um, so we get in the car, go to lunch, and we just kind of hang out at the house. But as soon as we get to the house, she's like, hey, I got to go, you know, because she's home from, from, from school as well. She's like, I got to go run a couple errands. I'll be right back. So she gets in the car and leaves the house. And it's just me and little brother. She, she knew I was a good camp counselor, so I'd be good with her brother. So her and brother and I, we bonded for the next two and a half hours playing Nintendo 64. All right, if you, you probably, any guys at 64 in here? Okay, man, it was a wonderful thing. Um, and so we, we were playing, and I'm like, okay, let's play another level, let's go, you know. And so she gets home probably around four o'clock, and oh, it's time for, we gotta go out to dinner, and we're gonna go to a play with her family that night. And so I get all dressed up, I brought my nice clothes, and we go to this play. Uh, we get to the theater, and she goes in the aisle first, and uh, she scooted right in before her mother. And so she goes in, and then her mom, and then her dad, and then her little brother, and then me. Are you kidding me? I watch a play, four seats down from the girl I'm dating. And I don't, I'm like, I'm sitting here like, what? I, I, I am just like, what is happening? Like, so long story short, we get back that night, Saturday night, I'm leaving the next morning, and we have the talk. She sits me down in their little living room, and... And she pulls out the line, Andy, I think I just want to date Jesus right now. <laughs> True story. She wanted to date Jesus. No, no, no. She just didn't want to date me, okay? That's the reality of the situation. And so, you know, poor little Andy's 19, 20-year-old heart is just, you know, broken and destroyed and shredded. But I got a new friend, and he's in fourth grade. And so that, I got that out of the trip. And so I get in the car the next morning, I, we go to bed, and you know, I'm like, how do you sleep over in a foreign town at a house you don't know, having your heart broken? So I'm like, and this is the first time this has really happened to me. So this is a very, I had a lot of new feelings uh, that I was not familiar with. And so I get in the car, and I drive home, and I'm a big country music fan, so for the five hours I drive home listening to every sappy country music and just bawling my eyes out. And you're saying, Andy, why are you telling us this story? Because I like to embarrass myself. But no, seriously, here's why. 
And this is where we're going tonight. Because back then, when I look back on that relationship, neither myself nor my ex-girlfriend, which we're now Facebook friends and everything's good, um, we had no framework for how to actually date. No framework. We had no process. We, we didn't have the technology. We didn't, we, we was letters, you write a letter, and sh, you know, they're going to get it in a week. And then they may write back. So it's like two weeks between letters and phone calls and phone cards. and like, So we had no idea. So to this day, the state that she's from, I root against those teams because there's still some hurt, okay? Just being honest, there's still a little bit of hurt. But I look back and say, you know what? If I had just done a few things differently, if she had just done a few things differently, we could have avoided, what is this, 20 years later, this entire story. Okay, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to go tonight. I want to talk about how we date, because as I talk with people, as I read books, um, as I talk with my friends here in the church that are your age, the lack of intentional dating process is probably the most, uh, the biggest reason for anxiety in relationships. The lack of process. The lack of actually, how do you do this? What, what, what's, the, what, what's the next move? How do, I, how do I talk to somebody? How do I, what do we do on the date? What do we do when it's not going well and we need to sever the relationship? Like, how do we do this? Because there's a lot of questions when you go on a date. What did he mean when he said that? <laughs> is she going to call? What does he mean he wants to hang out? Is this the real her? Or is she just acting that way because she thinks that's what I want her to say? Right? There's a lot of ambiguity that goes into this. So here's, here's the, the first line that I thought would be good to get after is this. Is dating is not a status to stay in, but a process of evaluation to move through. All right? Because the goal is not just to be dating someone. The goal of dating is to get married. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to figure out, is this the person that I could spend the rest of my life with? I think it'd be prudent of us and wise to have some markers and some guidelines to say, hey, okay, we're doing this right. We're doing this in a way that's God-honoring and honoring to the one that I'm dating. Uh, there's a pastor, um, he used to be in Texas, he's now, uh, I think it's over in Georgia. His name is Ben Stewart. He's, he said this, dating is a series of actions meant to lead us to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. And so tonight, I want to give you five biblical principles that can guide you through this dating process. And so if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 13. That's where we're going to start tonight. We're going to lay a nice foundation, which we're going to build on for the next 30 minutes or so. All right? John chapter 13. I'll give you a second to get there. And it's honestly one of my favorite scriptures over the last several years because it has really opened my eyes um, in terms of what is it actually like, what is the biblical way to do relationship? Whether that's dating, whether that's friendship, whether that's marriage. John 13, Jesus gives this huge command. And then we get nothing to fill it in, but we do. All right, follow me here. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here he is entering 
the last days of his life, and he's telling them a new commandment, and that is what? To love one another. And I thought, you know what? This is, this is some good instruction for relationship, because every relationship, whether it's dating, marriage, friendship, family, whatever it is, we desire relationship because we desire to love. Here's the hard part about this scripture. What does it mean to love? What does that look like? Like, Jesus, okay, I, that sounds good, but practically... How do I do that? Because if you've ever been in a relationship, dating, friendship, family, whatever, you probably understand that the way that you love someone is not the way they receive love, right? It's called the love language. If you in, in, ever get into premarital counseling, I'm sure you'll cover it. But there's something deeper here. And when you start looking at the letters of Paul, you start seeing Paul flesh out this idea of what does it actually look like to love one another. And tonight I want to take a look with a magnifying glass, some of the verses that are going to put meat to the bones of this verse. Like I talk to community groups about this all the time where they say, well, what, is it, what does it mean to do life together? What does that actually mean? It sounds good. It looks good on a t-shirt or a worship folder or it sounds, you know, as, a, as a mantra for a small group ministry. What, what does do life together mean? Well, it's the same thing that I'm about to share with you. There's this pattern that we see Paul get into where he gives a verb and then he follows it up with one another. And we're going to look at five one another's tonight that I think are great principles for dating. How we are to date one another in a way that God has created us. All right, the first one, we'll see if this works here. Oh, that's the verse. I skipped it. Here it is, prayerfully and patiently. All right, and that comes from James 5.16, where, he said, where James uh, writes, you need to pray for one another because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayerfully and patiently. Why would we, ever, why would we do this? Now, we're in church, and so it makes a little bit of sense that we start with prayerfully and patiently. Number one is this. Prayer and dating, we invite God into the process. Because I don't know about you guys, but most of the time when we date, it's all up here. We are just running races up in here. And it's just our thoughts, it's our fears, it's our insecurities. And we're all wrapped up in our own head that we need to pump the brakes for a minute and say, you know what, God, I need to invite you into this process. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I need to invite you into my misery, Lord. But that's the first step. James 5.16, pray for one another. Second part of this is when we pray, what we are doing is we are transferring the trust of our dating life to God. That we're taking all of our worries and all of our fears and all of our desires and all, and all our wants and we're saying, God, here's who I am. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to date. This is where I want to be. And we transfer all that turmoil to the throne of grace. And we say, God, I'm going to not only invite you in, but I'm going to remind myself to transfer my trust, not for my feelings, but to you. Because God loves you and he cares for you. And when we can do this, when we can transfer that trust from, cause, cause think about this, if, if we don't trust the Lord's sovereignty in the area of dating, here's what will end up happening, is you will start off all nice and calm, 
And then when it doesn't happen, you're, you start to freak out a little bit, like, oh, man, okay, okay, I, another birthday. Oh, my gosh, it still hasn't happened for me. And then all of a sudden, your fears and your insecurities start to make you desperate. And then we start to make dating choices out of desperation instead of trust. Because the God of the Bible is omniscient, and he is sovereign, and he sees you. He knows the desires of your heart. And so praying and bringing that relationship, those desires before the Lord, transfers that trust to him. And it's a process that we need to remind ourselves of often. Next one, really briefly, when we pray, we serve and care and honor for the one that we're dating, or the one that we will be dating, or the one that we might marry. When we're going before the Lord as a single person, as someone who's dating, someone who's engaged, or someone who is married, does not matter when or what your situation is. When we come before the Lord prayerfully about our relationships, you're actually caring for and serving and honoring the one that you are dating. Or maybe the one that you would like to be dating. How do you do that? Real quick. I'm going to give you five more. I'm going to give you a lot of lists tonight, so just prepare yourself. How do you pray? Number one, pray for the person you're dating. Pray for them by name. Pray for them often and regularly. Pray for them. And then start praying for your future spouse because it may not be the person you're dating now. And guess what? When you start praying for your future spouse, it'll change the way you date the person you're currently dating. Because there's no guarantee that person is the person. And so you're currently dating someone else's husband or someone else's wife. Like, I'm a, I'm a dad of five kids. I am already praying for their spouses. Because I love my kids. And I want them to marry well, and I want them to marry wonderful people. And so you know what? I'm going to start praying for that. I got four boys. I'm going to start praying for those four ladies because, good Lord, they've got a handful. Right? And I'm praying for that dude that marries Annabelle because, oh, please pray with us for Annabelle's husband. She is a handful. We pray for our date. We pray for our future spouse. We pray for the actual evening that we're about to spend with this person. Right? How much time do we spend getting this ready? And we totally ignore getting this and this ready. When we walk out the door that I'm like, you know what, I've spent my time with the Lord, I've prepared my heart, I've prepared my mind, so I'm ready to just go have some fun and be myself and see what happens. Prayerfully. And then personally, are you praying for God's discernment and wisdom? And not just your feelings or your um, preferences. Are you going on a date? Are you walking into a situation, God, give me your wisdom and discernment in this situation? Help me to know this person. Help me be discerning whether this is the right person or if I don't need to go on a second date. Why patiently? Because 1 Timothy 5.4, Paul writes this, the sins of some people are, are conspicuous, going before them in judgment, but the sins of, of another appear later. What is he saying? Hey, listen, some people have a great first impression, but they are trouble. Like some people you meet and you're like, oh, creeper, whoop, meter goes way off immediately. Right? We know those people. But some people are like, man, you're slick. Okay, all right, all right, yeah. Be patient. Don't rush to lock that down. I love this line 
from a book I read. It says, don't rush to marry Prince Hans when Kristoff might be around the corner. Right? That's 1 Timothy 5.24. Paul's saying, listen, there are a lot of Prince Hanses out there that will say the right things and dress the right way and look the right way. Be careful. Take your time. Be prayerful. All right, moving on quickly. My second point is this. Sorry, I'm, I'm not using this very well. This is a whole new experiment. There's 1 Timothy 5.24. Is this. Provide clarity. We're going to camp out on here for a few minutes. Because if there's any topic that I get more feedback from, especially from females, about the dating process, it is this, a lack of clarity, gentlemen. If you are a guy and you're not taking notes, at this point, you need to write, you need to write some things down. Okay? It, the verse that I picked out for this, is the one another, is Romans 12.10, which says, outdo one another in showing honor. Guys, bringing clarity. Girls, bringing clarity to a relationship is honoring to the person you're dating. Bringing that clarity, because here's the deal. Clarity is honoring. Ambiguity is self-serving. The reason we're not clear is because we're, we're protecting ourselves. I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking because I don't know what you'll think, so I'm not going to say anything. It's self-serving, not honoring. And so we need to bring clarity. This is the biggest source of anxiety, is the lack of clarity. So let's, let, let's do this. Let's play a little game. Let's say you meet somebody, and you kind of meet, maybe you meet at the gathering, and you've seen them a couple weeks, and each week you slowly sit closer to them, where eventually you're sitting right behind them. So when Josh or Andy say, hey, turn around and meet somebody, you're like, my moment has arrived. My name's, you know, whatever. Like, okay, let's say that's you. Gentlemen, let's, I'm going to talk right now from the guy's perspective. Let's say that's you. You've had your eye on this gown, and you've been watching her a little bit, and, you've, and the moment has come. So what do you do then? Here's what you do. You initiate with clarity. Initiate with clarity. Use your words. All right? Use your words. Proverbs 29.18 says this, where there is no vision, the people will perish. That word perish means unrestrained, disturbed, or out of control. I can't think of a better way to describe our dating culture. Out of control. You ever drive somewhere, go on a road trip, and hear, and hear somebody say, where are we? Right? That's never said in a positive way. Right? Somebody looks up and you're like, oh, where are we? I don't recognize anything that we see here. Like, that's not a good sign. Right? I've got a son. His name is Hank. He's uh, number three. Uh, I know, that's the world I live in. I've got to count it. And he is our human GPS system. You may have heard me told this story before. But, like, he knows where we go. We go to the same places. We have a lot of routines. He sits in the third row of our Suburban. But every time we go a different way, like if I got to go run, you know, over here first and then go to church or go here and then go to Barnes and Noble or whatever, I can physically see the anxiety take over his body. And in his mind, he's like, where are we? Dad said we were going here and we are not going there. <laughs> because we, I haven't been clear. Like, hey, bud, we're going to we're gonna go to Barnes and Noble, but first we're going to go by the gas station, get some gas, and then we're going to stop and get some, you know, whatever, and then we'll be there. If I would just be clear with him, all the anxiety would go away. And I think in dating, this is a huge issue. I'm going to talk to um, the guys, and then I'm going to talk to the girls. We're going to do some equal opportunity uh, ribbing here. Um, so, gentlemen, you are first. 
I'm going to give you some advice that I've heard from the females that I've asked regarding this talk. All right? Number one, if you want to ask her out, do not, do not, do not ask her to hang out. Can I get an amen? Don't do it. There is nothing more ambiguous than saying, hey, you want to hang out sometime? What? What is that? How should I dress? I don't, what, do I need to bring something? What, what does that mean? They're laughing because it's true, guys. Don't ask her to hang out because that just reeks of, of just, what, there's, that's the most unclear thing you could ask her. Be clear. Look at her in the eyes. Talk to her face to face. I know this is difficult. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like, I know this generation has a hard time talking face to face with the opposite gender. You guys do. You just do because your whole world's here. This is what you grew up with. And so I'm going to try and help train you out of that tonight. Guys, look at her in the face. Say, hey, I would like to go on a date with you. Would you, would you be okay with that? Or say, hey, I would like to go buy you coffee. Like, if you can't utter the words date out of your mouth, then bring money into it, and that clears things up. Hey, can I, I mean, I'd love to spend some time with you. Can I buy you dinner? Okay, I know, I know what's happening right now, <laughs> right? My wife has found herself in college on several dates because of a lack of clarity. I found out today that she actually went on a date a month after we started dating that she didn't know was a date because a guy called her and said, hey, I'm going to be in Norman. You want to go grab dinner? And she's like, okay. Like they served together in the ministry that we were working in. And she's like, well, I guess, she, I'm like, what were you thinking? She's like, well, I guess he was just in town and was being friendly and we were just going to run to Burger King or something. And then she said, I realized when I got in the car that we went to a restaurant where there were waiters, and I realized we were, we're on a date. And I was like, so you cheated on me a month in. She's like, yes, but it wasn't, I didn't know. And so, like, so I go, so what'd you do? And she's like, well, I just started talking about you a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, worst thing ever. Poor guy, I still know him. Um, so don't text, don't use don't ask them to hang out. Be clear. If you like them, if you're interested in them, tell them. It's a compliment. Hey, I, th I think you're pretty great. Would, would you mind if we went and got coffee? I would like to spend time with you. That's clear. All right? And lastly, and this goes for guys and girls, and then we're going to switch to the ladies here for a second, um, is don't major in the minors. Don't major in the minors. This is what I mean by that is we probably all have a, a running list in our head of about 40 things that our husband or wife will have. You need to get rid of that list and figure out the four or five non-negotiables. And if that person meets those four or five things, go on a date with them. Just go one. If they love Jesus, if they're pursuing Christ, if they're in biblical community, if they are a character person and they ask you out, but they don't meet all your criteria. Like I had a friend in high school uh, that got married right out of high school that had a list of 62 things that his future wife must have. And like we thought, oh, that's so romantic. No, that's stupid. Because he's just taken the pool of all the girls he's gonna meet and he's like made it inverse. Like there's no one in the world that has all 62 things. So open up and say, you know what? Maybe what I have in my head isn't exactly what I'm gonna end up with. Know your non-negotiables and let that be your process. Ladies, where do I start? 
Number one, here's my thought. As a guy, when he made you say this, you need to ask yourself, are you approachable? Are you approachable? Okay, because here's what happens. Is a guy likes you and he's like, oh man, she seems really cool. But he can't get in there because you're locked to the hip with your girls. And no dude is going to walk into a group of seven girls and be like, hey, excuse me, uh, my name's Andy. Can I buy you coffee? Like, there's a dude, no way. He throws themselves to the wolves. Some of you, the way you, like just the, the, the facial expressions, say like, don't talk to me. Not interested. I already know. We're not getting married. Like, are you approachable? And I think for guys, that's a big issue. It's because it's nerve-wracking to ask you out. And so you got to help them a little bit in saying, all right, am I approachable? How can I become more approachable? Number two, when, you, when, when a guy's talking to you, or if you're talking to the guy that you like, I'll just tell you this right now, girls, we miss massive signs. Whatever signs you're throwing, we are most likely missing, okay? So you need to be a little bit intentional in terms of like, look us in the eyeball, smile a lot. Nod your head like, yeah. Like, ask us more than like, how was your day? Like, so what do you plan on doing this weekend? Like, engage the conversation because we're not good at that, all right? Let me see what else I got on my list here. Oh, this is a good one. And I think this happens with a lot of Christian girls more, more often than not, is that your default, your default thought process is no. It's just automatically no. Even if you, like, might be interested, like, nope, 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 not gonna do it, nope, nope. Like I said earlier, like, if there's a guy out there that meets your non-negotiables, then give him one date. Learn to say yes and learn to say no but maybe not in the order of no first because then there's never a yes. And there's nothing more emasculating than getting a no without even an opportunity to say, hey, get to know me. Does that make sense? Guys, is, is that true? Yes, nod your heads. Thank you, Jonathan, for the affirmation. I appreciate that. All right, we're gonna move on. We gotta keep going. So I wanna give you uh, some areas of where clarity is necessary in relationships when it comes to Romans 12 of honoring one another. Number one, in the beginning, we need this. And I've already covered this very briefly. There needs to be clarity. Guys, what's your intention? Be clear on that. Don't ask to hang out. Don't say like, hey, what, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you doing this weekend? Well, what, be clear. Let her know, hey, I think you're pretty cool. I've seen you around. I would like to get you to know you more. Can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you coffee? Can I take you out for dinner? Can I take you on a date? Did you know this, that uh, studies say that uh, only 12% of single girls ask out a guy? Only 12%. Here's what that tells me, gentlemen. They still want you to ask them out. Like, if you're that guy who's like, she'll ask me out if she wants to go out with her. No, she won't. Because she is waiting for you to catch the signs that she is clearly throwing. Right? So guys, we need to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm going to be clear from the beginning. I would like to get to know you. Can we have coffee? Number two, in the process, we need clarity. Right? Because when you start a relationship, it's all ooey and gooey, and you're like, oh, this is wonderful. Someone likes me. I'd like to be liked. Like, that feels good. And that lasts for a couple weeks, probably. But eventually, the questions start coming in of like, so I wonder where we are. What are we? 
right? You know, you get back from the date, go into your roommates, and the first question they ask, like, how did it go? Did you have fun? Is he going to call you? Okay, those are questions she should never have to answer with, like, I don't know. There needs to be clarity in the process. So simple suggestion. When you drop her off at night, just say something simple. Hey, I had a lot of fun. Can I call you tomorrow? Then all of a sudden, there is clarity. You had a good time, which means you probably like her, and you are going to call her tomorrow. Like, that's not hard. It's not rocket science, but we don't do it because we want to protect ourselves. Well, what if she doesn't like me? I don't want to lead out there and put myself out there. Put yourself out there. It's the only way clarity is going to find its way into this relationship. Okay? Next. Next one, here we go. We need clarity in the exit. This is the biggest one because this is where the wounds happen. This is where hearts get ripped to shreds because we don't have clarity in the exit. Because guys, let's be honest. You're gonna go on dates that are not gonna end up uh, walking down the aisle. It's just, that's not gonna happen. Unless you're my wife who her first day was with yours truly. Uh, lock that down. Um, Here's the deal. We need clarity here. And gentlemen, you need to lead in this. All right, you need to say to her on a regular basis, hey, listen, I'm having a lot of fun, but if at any point this is not where you, you don't see this going anywhere, just please let me know. Because you know what? I trust God with this relationship, and I trust him with my future, and if you're not the one and I'm not the one for you, I'm okay with that. You need to give her an opportunity to say, you know what? Peace out. I'm done. <laughs> give her that, open that door for her. Because if she's thinking that, she's terrified to, to hurt your feelings. Because if you've gone out with her, she's probably a nice person. Which means she probably cares about you and she doesn't want to hurt your feelings. Girls, I'll give you this advice. He is not going to respond to the breakup like you will. Okay? Like he's not, it's just not, we're not wired the same way. He's going to be sad and may hurt his ego, but he'll be okay. Probably a lot quicker than you'd like to know. All right, we need an exit strategy. We need to be able to say things like, listen, I enjoy spending time with you, but I'm not in a rush to get married next week, but I'm also not wasting your time. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to keep um, hanging, no, don't say hanging out. I'd like to still keep calling you and spending time with you. Like, let her know the intentions of what's happening, okay? And then when the time comes where you're like, you know what, it's time to be done with this, be clear. Girls, be truthful honest and gentle. Be truthful. Don't string him along because you don't want to hurt his feelings. Chop it off. Like, just get done. But do it truthfully. Don't say, I want to go date Jesus. Right? That cuts deep on two levels. Number one, my girlfriend's gone and my savior took her. <laughs> like, it's not good. If you want to date Jesus, that's great. Go do that. But don't make him the bad guy. Own it and say, you know what? You're, you seem like a really great guy. I'm honored that you'd ask me out, but I, I just don't see this going anywhere. That's honoring. All right? Like, I feel like my story at the very beginning, I was the first person to ever get ghosted while being with the person that was ghosting me. All right? And you know this. Like, you're in the relationship with that person, and they just start gradually stepping back, and it takes a little bit longer for them to text you back. And you don't hear from them for a couple days. And then all of a sudden, there's a ton of anxiety because you're like, what's happening? Um, we used to text multiple times a day, and now I get one every 48 hours. And then 
No, that's not the way to exit a relationship. Be clear. Bring clarity. Because here's the deal. When you exit a relationship with clarity, you can still be friends. You can still be friends. It, it may hurt, but you know what? You will still have a relationship with that person. When you begin it with clarity, you walk through the evaluation process with clarity, and you exit with clarity. Moving along. Number three, how do we date? We pursue purity. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, this isn't your typical purity verse. I'll give you that. There's plenty of, of verses about flea sexual morality. Um, but this is why I like this one. This one gets to the heart of why we pursue purity. Because Jesus said in John 13, love one another as I have loved you, which was a sacrificial love. He gave himself up for us on the cross. Well, guess what? We are human beings. God has given us a sex drive. He has made us have desires. To love someone the way Christ has loved you is to sacrifice yourself for their honor. That's what it looks like to pursue purity in a relationship. And that's why I said with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Because guess what? In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, um, the, the famous wedding verse, love is patient, which means love does not push anyone to compromise. If you love someone and you are patient with one another, you don't push someone to compromise. That is not loving. It is not loving. It is selfish. And it's dishonoring. Hebrews 13, uh, 4 says this, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Guys, God cares about your sexual purity. We're gonna get into this more probably next week. But our world treats sex um, like a commodity. Something to get, something to experience, and then discard. That is not the way God designed this. And to go into a relationship with a shadow mission of, I'm going to see how much I can get and how far we can go, is the farthest thing from honoring one another that I could possibly think of. Because we are going into the most, um, what, maybe the most sacred and intimate part of a relationship, and we're going to use it instead of cherish it and protect it. So three steps that are going to help you towards Purity. Number one, communicate your values and boundaries. Now, this is not a first date thing, okay? Not a first date conversation. This is not a second date conversation. This is once you've clearly identified, hey, I like spending time with you, Would you do you think we could continue uh, going out? Once that, converse, that conversation has happened, you turn a corner, this is one of your next conversations. Okay, so if we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend, well, I need to communicate to you what my values are and what my boundaries are. And you all need to have that conversation. That is an adult conversation. You don't have that conversation in middle school. You rarely have it in high school. Maybe rarely in college, but you're an adult. We're not messing around here. So let's be clear and talk about our values and our boundaries so that we can, in all humility and gentleness, be patient with one another and we can help each other be patient. Number two, you need to share those values with others. The people that are closest to you. All right? 
If you're in a community group, your community group needs to know the contents of the conversation that you had with your girlfriend. All right, what, what, what boundaries have you guys laid down? Like when Taylor and I were dating, we made a boundary of like, we are not going to lay on a couch on a floor next to each other ever. We're not going to do that. It's just too convenient from there, okay? Like we're putting our bodies in a position to get, uh, get things going. And like, we, I don't want to do that. I want to do that, but I don't want to do that. Get specific with your boundaries and then share them with people that can hold you accountable. And then thirdly, uh, you need to pray about these things together. Let me give a caveat to this. You do not need to be praying together while you're snuggling on the couch for God, the purity of your relationship. <laughs> that is the wrong time to do that. This is a conversation, this is a prayer time, like, you need to have this on the car ride when you pick her up and say, hey, well, let's just pray for our evening, and this is going to be part of that prayer. God, I pray you'd help us have a great time tonight. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen us um, to, to hold uh, our purity in check that we may honor you and honor one another. Boom, let's go to dinner. It's accountability. It brings up the conversation often. So we're reminding each other, hey, this is who we are, this is what we want to be, so let's move to those ends. One thing I forgot with the share those with others is you need to give permission to people to ask you intimate questions about your relationship, all right? Because you can be in a community group and people could know that you're dating. They're like, oh, those are two wonderful people. I'll bet they're doing everything great. And then they never ask you because they just assume things are fine and you've never actually said, hey, John, I want you to ask me every week at small group how this, the sexual purity of my relationship with Sarah is. I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me what we did, where we went, how long we spent. I want you, you have permission to do that in my life. Because if you don't expressly give that permission, no one's going to actually do it. They're just going to assume the best of you and say, you know what, I don't want to chance our relationship getting rocky. I'm not going to talk about it. You need to give them permission. All right, moving along here. Next one, how do we date Graciously. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So there's that moment, you have the conversation, you've been on a couple dates, and you got the green light, like we want to keep doing this, and you're like, okay, so what do we do now? Maybe it's that first date, and you're like, okay, what do I do? Well, here's our natural reaction, one of two things, is one, we start the advertising campaign full force, all right? We get ourselves prepared. We start thinking and acting in ways that are not natural to you because you feel like I've got to convince this person that I'm worth going out with. I need to throw out all the, all the stuff and I need, to make, I need to convince them of something. And you become someone that you're not. Or the other side is like, I'm just going to keep it real. And you put zero effort into anything. You're like, this is just who I am. Like, I know people like that. I remember I work, used to work with a gal, uh, not here at this church, but before here, um, that she was a pretty rude person, and she'd use the excuse, I'm just keeping it real. I don't want to be dishonest. I'm like, no, you're just rude. You just, you're just rude. You're, you're no. <laughs> right? We got to find somewhere in the middle, because dating takes effort, but we need to trust God enough not to say, I got to convince this person to like me. We don't want to do that, because you can't keep that advertising campaign going forever. At some point, they're going to see the real you, so just be you. And if it works out great, if not, okay. Ask this question. Are, is that person better off for having spent time with you? Are they better off? Because you look at this first, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That is encouragement. 
When they leave your presence, they should feel uplifted and encouraged and like, man, that was great. Even if I don't want to date them anymore, they're a good person. Because we're to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You see, our aim in, in dating should not be to impress but to bless. It's not to impress someone but to bless someone. God has only made one of you. Let that one person in you bless that other person. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to whatever. I want you to be a better person for having spent time with me. Then all of a sudden, guess what? The focus is no longer on you, on your fears, on your insecurities. It's on that person. How can I lift you up? How can I encourage you? How can I spur you on to better, bigger and greater things? And then lastly, in community. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now, there's kind of two popular ways to find in, in, in the dating scene. It's online, like the apps, and there's also the, the party uh, night scene, the bar scene. Like those are the two most popular ways. Here's the problem with both of those things. One, you're making decisions on one thing, on how someone looks. And two, when you're at the bar, like you can't hear anything. You can't have any substantive conversation because it's too loud. It's not the right place. And so we're putting ourselves in a position to make a bad choice. But in community, we're kept safe from that. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. This goes back to the original way we dated. It's old-fashioned. I want to talk about it for a second. It's called courting. All right, when you would court a young woman, gentlemen, there was no one-on-one -on -one dating. You would go over to her house. You would ring the doorbell. And the mother and the father and the siblings and the grandparents were all there. And they would invite you into the living room and you'd all sit down and share some coffee. And here's the reason they did it that way. Number one, for the safety of the girl, because we don't know you. <laughs> I don't want my daughter going off with you, and I guarantee you we're going to do this in the Roshkov household. That dude is going to be my best friend before he ever spends one-on-one -on -one time with Annabelle. Not that I don't trust her, I don't trust him. I don't know you. And so we've got to date in community. We cannot date in isolation. Get around. Like I remember when, when I first got interested in my wife, Taylor, I would invent leader activities because she was a volunteer in a ministry that I, I would invent leader like outings just so I could be around her. So I'm like, I can't, like, I don't know how to do this. I, didn't, I wasn't very smart. I was like, but you know what? We can do a leader bowling night. Fantastic. And then I will make the teams. Oh, Taylor's on my team. Fantastic. Okay. But guess what? All the leaders were around. And my buddy that I lived with, I'd say, hey, Brian, we're going tonight. I want you to watch Taylor. I want you to kind of watch how we interact and let me know if you think she likes me kind of thing. I didn't send him to find that out. That was like wingman conversation later. But we did it in community. I got talked, I think it was two weeks ago, about going on mentor dates. We did mentor dates. I found some couples on the board that I worked with that said, you guys are awesome. I love your family. You do a great job with your kids. Can Taylor and I go on a date with you? And got her and I around people we trusted. Number one, for her safety. Number two, for my safety, because who knows, she could have been an axe murderer. I don't know. But we got some feedback. And we got good feedback. And it was incredibly helpful. Because community does three things. 
It provides counsel, it provides encouragement, and it provides accountability. I hear too many stories of, hey, so-and-so started dating, but he no longer comes to a small group because he's always spending time with her. That is a disaster waiting to happen. You've removed yourself from all accountability to pursue a relationship with, with someone. That's just, your, that's just dangerous waters. Dating community. So here's where we've been tonight. How do you date biblically? According to biblical principles, you prayerfully and patiently date. You date with clarity. And guys, I can't hit this enough. This is hard. Clarity is hard because you are opening up the sensitive parts of your soul to someone else and they may say no. But man, I'll tell you what, what a gift you can give each other if you date with clarity. Thirdly, pursue purity. Date graciously. Get to know somebody for who they are. Don't pretend to be somebody else. Are they better off for being with you? And then lastly, do it in community, around people that you know and trust. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this night. God, thank you for the principles in your word that lead us and guide us. Father, I pray that you would, um, and I, guys, this is just so fun. You have made us for a relationship. You have made us to be attracted. God, this is, this is your design. Like You made Adam and Eve, and you made them together to, to uh, build a family and fill the earth. God, this is your plan, and it is fun and exciting and scary and anxious all in one. But Lord, I pray that the principles we've gone tonight, gone through tonight, Lord, I pray that they would sink deep into our souls. God, that we would love one another as you have loved us, and that is sacrificially. That as we date, as we get married, that people would see how we do this and know that we're your disciples. God, that our dating relationships would reflect your grace, that would reflect your care and concern for one another. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to lead. God, I pray for the men in this room that they would lead their relationships first with you and then with the young lady they ask out. God, I pray for the anxiety of the hearts that are in here. God, I pray that you'd heal wounds. You would take that anxiety and the peace of the cross of Jesus would cover knowing that you care for us, you see us, and you've got it all worked out. Help us to be patient and then pursue you and then pursue one another. In your son's name, amen.